You turn 30 and you're like, huh, this is sort of cool. You turn 40, you drop a few fucks that you have to give. Madman, a term coined in the late 1950s to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it. You are the product. You feeling something. Welcome to season two. They coined it. We're back. Season two. There's been a time jump and I can't really tell how long it's been. This is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) That is, you know... That is the first thing to to look at with this episode is, and you know, a lot of our listeners are are Mad Men fans, right? But we also so. we also well we also have people who are following along for the first time, watching for the first time. There's longtime Mad Men fans and perhaps newer Mad Men fans. Exactly, but everybody's a Mad Men fan. This is certainly true. With this episode, you you may forget as a longtime viewer. That mm. part of what you're dealing with is the mind fuck that is, wait, when is this? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's Valentine's Day. But what va- it takes a quick Google to find out this is 14 months later. Yeah. So uh, we're going to get into all that. It's sort of the, the new mystery of, of this episode and of season two is kind of like, what did happen? How did we, what, you know, how did all these people end up where we're now seeing them? Right. Right, because there weren't like crazy cliffhangers. You know, things more or less wrapped up. You know, the yeah. the, the story was completely uh, had a bow. But you do, le- you know, if you if you're coming back into it, you say, okay, so Betty was like telling her therapist that she knows about Don cheating. So like, how's that play out? Right, you know, like Peggy, <laughs> Peggy right. had a baby right. in the last episode. Guys. What happened there? Yeah. So there's a lot, even for a storyline that had a big, big, huge bow on it, there's still a couple things that you're kind of like, well, if we're going to keep going with this, yeah. <laughs> which which might not have been known at the time that, that they wrapped season one right. production-wise, there are a few things to, to still curious about. So it's fun. It's fun to look at it. So yeah. that, that is, th- th- those things do get explored as we as we go through the season, which is fun. But this is the first, the first toe in the water. So before we get all the way into it, We've got some Mad Men related news. Well, they announced or they started doing promotion around. There's a new series based on the movie The Right Stuff. I believe it's called The Right Stuff. Yes. Based on a book, which I never read. And the film, uh, I think it's 1983. Don't quote me on that. It's it's one of the great films. It's one of my favorite films. Even even with Dennis Quaid ruining himself, uh, it is a it is a perfect, wonderful film, and it's the kind of thing where you're like, why would why why would you why would you redo this? Why would you make a yeah. series? And then I started seeing some of the promos, and I I gotta say, it looks amazing. Well, here's what's crazy: the, the movie came out in uh, the book. I guess came out in the early '80s. The movie came out in '83. I think you're correct. That's 14 years after the moon landing. Mm. Okay. 14 years ago was 2006. Okay. <laughs> like, th- that's how recent. And again, I was, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was a kid when that movie came out. I remember it coming out. But the point is, it already felt like ancient history. Yeah. 1969, the moon landing. But, but it wasn't. And that's amazing to even contemplate. So now here we are, a full 50 years after the moon landing, moon landing 51 to be exact. Mm. And uh, so revisiting the space age that the the space race is to me something that I just started doing, frankly, personally, this summer, really beginning to understand what was Mercury, what was Gemini, what was Apollo, how did it work, how did, who were the big name people in all this? I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, the story is, is endlessly fascinating, hmm. without question. And the original film was full of future stars. In terms of oh, sure. celebrity, and I mean it's Ed Harris and, like I said, yeah, Dennis Harris, Quaid and yeah. Scott Glenn and a whole bunch of others that I can't think of right now. But why are we bringing this up on this podcast? Yeah, Jesus, what the fuck does it have to do with Mad Men anyway? Well, I'll tell you. A number of Mad Meners are in the cast: Aaron Staden, who plays Ken Cosgrove; yeah, Patrick Fischler, who we have not met yet, but he's coming. He's coming. But he's a Mad Menner. You can trust us on that. And Danny Strong, who we even more so have not met. Right. But, but trust us is a Mad Menner. So 
Danny Strong was an actor who has has made a real name for himself as a writer and a producer. And Buffy fans know him, though, as Jonathan. See how I okay. am? I'm, I'm consistent with my All love. All roads lead to Buffy. All roads lead to Buffy. <laughs> Either Buffy or 30-something. If it's not Mad Men, that's where I go. <laughs> so anyway, October 9th, it uh, premieres on Disney+. Plus. For those who think young, is the first episode of season two. It was written by Matthew Weiner, directed by Tim Hunter. The original air date was July 27th, 2008, and it takes place over February 14th and 15th, 1962, which of course we don't know unless you know that the famous Valentine's Day tour of the White House by Jackie Kennedy took place on that day. So you really don't know. You really are, again, watching this episode going, wait, what the fuck? Okay. Peggy's all <laughs> slim again. Sal had, and, and uh, a lot of people spotted Sal had a wedding ring even before we get to the scene where he's sitting <laughs> with his wife. Um, yeah. Joan seems to have, so like, every, it, there's a lot has happened. Has this all happened in three months? And then it was, mm-hmm. it was the Jackie O sequence that, that pins it. It was a television broadcast of a tour. She, she had renovated the White House in the first two years of the, of right. the term. So this was opening up, you know, after the renovation where she's walking through. So, uh, but this was just for TV. So it was kind of a big deal yeah. at the time to, to do that because people hadn't really, you know, Eisenhower had been in the White House. Mamie Eisenhower, I don't think was a, quite had the taste of Jackie O. Uh, so people were <laughs> like super interested in what Jackie had done. So that's why they did it. Is this when the Rose Garden was done as well? I don't know that history and it's certainly been a subject. No, I don't know lately. that. It could be. That actually could be. It's also on brand. For the, the the main theme of the episode, the episode title, again, for those who think young, here, you know, it, I hadn't necessarily connected it in, as thinking about it today until you just mm-hmm. compared it to Mamie Eisenhower, right? Yeah. Jack, you know, the, the Kennedys, Camelot, that was the, the, the youth. Now, they're not 25-year-olds, right? But there right. still right. is well, it's youth the youth oriented. vibe. Very um, much. It's, and, you know... Youth versus age is very much a theme in this episode. Uh, mm. I'm going, I'm thinking all the way to the end of the episode where Don is in the elevator with those two guys, yeah. um, the two young guys who are who are speaking crudely and and honestly more crudely than we've heard yet. You've you've referenced right. the uh, Dan, you've referenced the coarsening of the culture. Yeah. It was kind of kind of explicit talk, and um, what I love about that scene, just since you mentioned it, it's a quick comment: is um, it has absolutely no place in the episode. It's really a brushstroke on the larger trend that we're going to keep. You know, the coarsening of the culture obviously didn't begin or end in 1962, but it's a piece of that story that goes on and is told and referenced in different parts with different frequency as we will go, because that's how the 60s developed. We all know so. Just that little, I don't know, whatever it was, 90 seconds or two minutes, whatever it might have been, of Don making this little social moment in the elevator has nothing to do with the episode, plot-wise. Absolutely nothing. Yet, they put the whole thing in there, and it's there for a reason, and it's, again, just a gorgeous brushstroke on that whole picture. Well, but theme-wise, how it belongs. Were the guys that young? Was it a, were they, were they, I mean, they they, they were adults. They didn't seem like kids, but I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know if they were 25 or if they were 29, but what, but the, what I did, what I took out of that scene, in addition to what you, you're pointing to, is Don suddenly becoming the old man. You know, this oh, episode yeah, yeah. opens basically with Don at the doctor's office. We now know he's 36. Right. We have an age on him. Right. And but all of a sudden he was the elder. He was and he's been told in this whole episode, you need to hire young, you need to hire young. And he's Mm. devaluing that. But there's that there's this thing that happens to you personally. Uh, I'm sure you've experienced it. I've experienced it. You know, you turn 30 and you're like, huh. This is sort of cool. You turn 40, you drop a few fucks that you have to give. And that's what I that's what I identified as Don doing is like, you know what? Fine. I'm the old guy here. Get off my mm. fucking lawn. <laughs> you know, and well, I, I'm 28, so I haven't mm. gone through all that. But um, how old you know, are your twins? I, I can imagine. What's that? How old are your twins? Four. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Little cuties. <laughs> yeah, they. Um, no, you're absolutely right. Don, Don is. Uh, Don's a little bit of our guide through this, uh, through a lot of this. And frankly, 36 then was not the same as 36 now. No. 36 now is a spring chicken. That's right. Believe it or not. And oh, absolutely. Uh, back, then you were on, back then you were on the doorstep of 40, which was like the real old man age. You know, that was when you really were an old man at yeah, 40. Yeah, it's, it's wild. There's a little bit of a little bit of I don't know if it's inflation or deflation, but um, you know the whole the whole thing has shifted a little bit uh, in in the other direction nowadays. But yeah, 36, you were a grown up. You yeah. had probably been in a war at 36. That's and Don, right. th- th- from a technical standpoint, had been in a war. To be 36 was a meant very different than it than it does today, and it's been moving in that direction ever since. But yeah, I I just love stuff like that, and I don't think other shows take the care to tell those much wider arc stories that might only get a mention or two a season toward that kind of a theme, but still have it in there as its own thing. Again, you could take it out of the episode. The episode would not suffer for it at all as its own thing. I want to rewind all the way to the beginning because I think the opening sequence, uh, it's gorgeous. And it, and it's, it sets up our theme. It sets up our season. It sets up our characters. It sets up our again our mystery, which is wait what, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, um, you know it's let's twist again. So you've got something modern and and new and young and nostalgic, all yeah, in nostalgic one. Nostalgic to us. No, even then, let's twist again. It's all. It's 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 meta. It's its own. It's already uh, self-referential. Well, yeah. So the twist, the twist was in 1960. We saw that. That's right. In, in Hobo Code. No, it was contemporary, but it just even even the lyric, the lyric itself is nostalgic. Is my point? Oh, I see. You're you're going back. You're it's again. I yeah. See what you're Let's twist again. Mm-hmm. Is already like we did last summer. Don't you remember how great it was then? Yeah, and and what I love about Matthew Weiner as a whatever you want to call him, creator, showrunner, executive producer, writer, etc. <laughs> he's great at simultaneously giving the audience what they want to see mm. and withholding from the audience what they want to see. So there's so much restraint and so much playing on expectations where the twists and turns. And then every now and again, he'll just be like, Hey guys, we're back. You know, That's let's, right. we're, we're celebrating this, this opening sequence with you. And we're going to, we're going to sweep across all the characters and get a look at them preparing for work. And it's, Pure fun. Pure, pure, pure fun. And then in terms of what he's withholding, we would certainly have liked to know in this episode what happened to Peggy's baby. What did happen to Peggy's baby? But especially to Peggy's baby. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, Truly. Yeah. You've got everybody sort of preparing and setting up their day. And then you've got Don in the doctor's office again. I've already referenced it. Don, I mean, (laughs) getting prescribed. Don eats a lot of apples. Don eats a lot of apples and doesn't at all need phenobarbital but there there we are i mean he's about to get <laughs> drugged you know so phenobarbital it's used for insomnia so that's a pretty clear sign that it's a downer but um but he used it for, he didn't say it was for the hypertension he said it was for anxiety yeah you need to you need to stay calm the misuse of and misprescribing of medications in the early 60s is is known far and wide it, it you often you often hear you, you hear a lot more i mean their mother's little helper right like all the all the moms they put on speed and you know the combination of of amphetamines to lose weight and 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 downers to it was like using a mallet to catch a flea yeah you know, the side effects are like sedation and hypnosis <laughs> dizziness yeah. you know all these things that like you didn't say don't drive a car and we've already you know we've already got somebody who's who's drinking I mean, it was very clear. The doctor knows how to ask the questions, but still lets them go. Don on a on a on an extreme day said he has five drinks a day. That's that's Don on a normal on day. a day when he's not drinking. <laughs> you know. So now let's add a little let's add a little barbiturate, you know. Let's sprinkle some some uh phenobarbital all over that. So, anyway, that'll never that'll never come up again. That's um, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Don has an interesting visit with the doctor. Again, another doctor that is, even with another male in the room, entirely patronizing and, you know, complete asshole. So we get to the office where we learn that it is Valentine's Day and there's a brand new copier as a bonus gift in the middle yes. of 
<laughs> the compact model. <laughs> I always think of, uh, do you remember the the computer on I Dream of Genie? It was, it was like the size of a bedroom. It was like the size of a bedroom. It was, it took yeah. up an entire room and it was a whole thing. They, it, anyway, um, things were larger, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. we mocked, yeah. we mocked the microprocessors the hadn't quite hit the market. Right. In, in season one, in the pilot, there's that throwaway joke that we hoped would be rare of Don saying, well, you know, there's not some machine that can make instant copies of things. You know, it was noted at the time, yada, yada. Now, of course, however long it took for Xerox to bring the, the, uh, the copier machine to market, now in this, in this time jump, now there is a machine that makes copies of everything. You know, it's you. funny. I never uh, connected that callback, but that's a definite callback to that. You know, that's the kind of yeah. thing where, where Matt said, how do, we, how, do we, how do we make it look modern? Let's go back to the pilot script and see what, you know. And uh, Joan having to figure out where the hell this thing is going to go because it's much larger than, <laughs> than she imagined. And it comes in on a pallet. You can see this thing uh, like a forklift must have come up through the freight elevator. <laughs> Unbelievable. And the in. guy's like, I- I'll move it as many times as you want because uh, this is probably not his first time dealing with this exact dilemma where people get it and they're like, I don't know what to do with it. I told you, miss. I'll try as many places as you want. Then we have our lunch meeting, which is, is another way to just, you know, introdu- reintroduce ourselves to like all of the guys and where they're at and their different, uh, their different yeah. sort of states of mind. It's the we're not allowed to have the sandwiches and Peggy's in the meeting and them treating mm-hmm. Peggy like she's still the secretary and she finally gives up. You yeah. know, she's like, no, I'm not going to. And then fine, I'll go. Right. But we've got Freddie, Freddie Rumson <laughs> jonesing for a drink. We've got Don missing in action. We've got Dale, who is one of my yeah. favorite characters. Uh, he's played by Mark Kelly. We have Dale. Dale. I love him. We have the guys. We've got Ken. We've got Harry. Right. We've got we've got Sal. We got we got the guys. And now Peggy yeah. is Peggy is one of the guys. And it's not that's not going well. <laughs> sort of. And that's a theme in this and that's a theme in this episode and and we'll we'll see it all through the season and frankly all through her all through the rest of time is <laughs> like mm-hmm. Peggy finding her place and trying to assert herself among these men and these uh, you know and 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 how she's treated versus how she should be treated and then Peggy with Lois who is so we learn that Lois uh who used to be on the switchboard is now assigned to Don's desk and Peggy it's such an interesting character trait. You know, it's something I didn't discuss uh, last season when we when we talked about the the um, the sequence with the voiceover artists. Peggy can be on the one hand sort of ruthless and on the other hand, quite comfortable asserting her power where she has it in a, in a way that's a, that's surprising. The way that she spoke to Lois, she's right. But it's not her place to do that. It's none of her business. Right? Her place is as Lois's predecessor in that in that role. It's not. She's not playing a power game where I'm 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 on the creative staff and you're a secretary and I'm going to give you shit. That I don't I don't think that was Peggy's mo. Peggy's mo was you need to know your job. I know that job. I uniquely know that job. I did it better than anyone. I can't sit here and watch you not know your job. I'm going to take this moment to in fact she half turns around to leave and is like no i have to do this are you insinuating something i wasn't doing anything i don't think well, i believe that i want you to imagine when you talk about mr draper that he's standing right behind you and think about that whenever you speak of him are you going to tell him me i didn't know what did i do do you know where Mr. Draper is? No, I don't. I think he was joking. Lois, do you know where Mr. Draper is? He's out. Thank you, Lois. And, you know, she was ruthless with Lois because Lois doesn't have two brain cells to rub together. It's not like Lois is going to figure it out or she'll grow into it. She's literally sitting there going, what did I do? I don't know what I did. What right. did I say? Like, so Peggy knows she has to whip because it because she cares about Don. Well, that's, you, that's the <laughs> thing. You, that's what Don it really. If Don doesn't realize he's got an indiscreet 
you well, know, an indiscreet girl on his desk, then Peggy knows that's not good for Don. That's not good for the firm. That's not good for her. So there's a few different things. One is absolutely. This has some things. This is is everything to do with the professional situation, but there is a, a part of protecting Don that is is coming through. Um, that affection mm-hmm. that that's there between Peggy and Don. Um, you know, it's, it's a little, it's, and and you see it again later in the, in the scene where he coaches her through the copy. Absolutely. You know, that relationship, whatever that is, that's there. And Peggy still mentor mentee. Yeah. Yeah. Peggy could have gone to Joan and said, you got an issue over there. Right. But she, she does, she does enjoy the cruelty a little bit. Again, go, go back to, go back to that voiceover artist. She, she, I love Peggy. Don't right that none of these characters are yeah, without she's kind their... of standing on ceremony with it. I I totally agree. But she's not going to go to Joan. She's not going to go to Joan and highlight again how Don Draper needs discretion. That's right. That's right. She's not. She's going to handle it, and she she knows she has to handle yeah. it, and she does. Yeah. And again, she's not going to she's not going to give Lois the consideration she might give to someone who was sharp and young and eager and not quite getting it she would be kinder i think to that person lois i think she has absolutely no patience for yeah no question (laughs) which is kind of funny (laughs) in its own way you know we might see that again someday i don't know krista flanagan as lois sadler is gives a great performance beyond really incredible meditations in an emergency is what the beat at the bar is reading Right. And there's there's Don at the bar and Don in the darkest. Don clearly clueless that he's missing a lunch meeting in the darkest room possible. (laughs) First of all, was he a beat? I didn't get a sense that that young guy was anything more than a young person, thus making him, you know, the voice of those who think young and Don, the voice of those who think old. Yeah. Right. He didn't seem like some kind of a radical or have any kind of well, crazy I, look. He looked like really just normal, normal guy, but had the ethos of his generation, which is, oh, it's all about getting stuff done, huh? Yeah, you wouldn't like it. You know, that kind of thing. The two things are starting to come together. Well, it's bubbling the, up. Right. Yeah, the, beats, bubbling up, the beats no are less, the, that mentality is less fringe. So, mm-hmm, so we're both precisely. right in that where it's it's the same thing. There's the, the blending you know, is bleeding yeah, in. It's, it's, exactly. it's, it's, it's coming up from the bottom without question. I, I, I totally agree with that. So, yeah. So, this is Don doing what Don does, right? Just like in the very first scene of the entire series. Don's in a bar setting. Don engages someone that he might not otherwise cross paths with and interviews him, talks to him. What What are you doing? What What's interesting about that? Is it good? What do you think? Yeah. You know? And this guy wasn't nearly as, as engaging as the busboy in that first scene, but it's still Don being Don, which I think is always fun to watch. Yeah, and this 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 episode is very much a Don journey with a lot of uh, with a lot of catching up mm-hmm. on everybody, but yeah. it's very much right. a Don journey. And and there's also um, what we assume about people, what we're trying to figure out about people, both us as the audience, but also the characters of each other. And this guy makes an assumption that this book is not something that Don would be interested in. Wrongly, as it turns out. Wrongly, and Don is insulted by that like what i don't, have, I don't have depth insulted. Yeah, go, go fuck yourself kid i got i got hammer toes older than you yeah so but it is you know it is it does it does start to be a side of don we haven't we see don as a very as a creative we we know that he's creative but we we don't we don't see a poetic draw for him we see that he was drawn to midge mm. but we didn't he always sort of stayed over here where kind of poetry as a and I use that sort of almost in quotes is mm. over there and now and now it's oh look he's got he's got a poet's heart if you will I think he ha- yeah I think he has an artist's heart and and that is the poetry book didn't jump off the shelf and land in Don's lap he observed someone reading it and inquired because that's what Don does I think he's drawn to the arts obviously he goes to see movies and he does his thing. And I think what he does in a, in a in a way is his own art as creative director. So, yeah, I think he's got that. And he certainly has an artist temperament in a lot of ways, you could say. So, yeah, I think he's drawn to all of that. In this case, 
Don's approach in this episode is two sides of the excuse me, two sides of the same coin. One is curious, open. I'm going to engage this younger guy who's sitting across from me, even if he blows me off. I'm still kind of interested enough that I'm I'll buy the book myself and read it. You know, uh, which is what he does. On the other hand, when challenged to hire younger people, he has to be like crowbarred into it. Yeah, by Roger. isn't that interesting? Yeah, what are we going to do? Hang a Pepsi out the window? Are we going to, you know, they don't know anything. And what they don't know is that they're young. And, you know, all this old man bullshit, which could be just an affect for the office a little bit as well. You know, Don might, in his heart of hearts, know that Duck is right. And by now, the relationship's so soured that he's not going to give in to that. I don't know, though. You, It's what you pointed to all last season. He He does have more old-fashioned ideas. I mean, even now, in the in, in and Pete Campbell, as you've pointed out, he's the guy who's more forward-thinking and future-thinking about advertising. So now, yeah. we one of the things that we see when Don does finally show up at the at the meeting and they do have the the pitch meeting, one of mm. the things he he says is, "Well, to, I, I don't have the quote exactly, but to the effect of." What does every ad have to be funny? So obviously we've moved from we don't do funny ads to we've done funny ads, but you know his drink is still an old fashioned as far yeah, as we know, we right? To, we have to create advertising for for people who don't have a sense of humor. Stop stop writing for other writers. No, I think yeah, I, I think the Pete the Pete corollary is interesting, which is Pete's intuition is correct and younger. That's intuition. That's Pete's gut. He knows these things intuitively. He doesn't think about them. Don's intuition is older. Don's intuition will always take him back to old-fashioned, standard best practices. When Don thinks about it, he can put himself in a place to be more open or, you know, in this case, accept hiring younger younger folks. Because I think he does know – Deep, deep, deep down, that's the right thing to do, but he's not going to do it without kicking and screaming. Yeah. And there's just some self, you know, some survival <laughs> technique in there, um, survival instinct in there. Don's two sides of that coin. I think it's at odds. He's at odds with himself on some of those push and pull of my instinct might take me here, but is that really what's going to get the job done or be good? And in the middle, you have what you just mentioned is that exchange about Mohawk Airlines with Paul. <laughs> which I think was which which was which was the old fashioned instinct in Don, right? Yeah. Because Paul's right, but Paul's a lousy writer. I've always this has been my my <laughs> thing with Paul. He it's it's every obvious stupid pun, and it's it's never a unique angle or take on things. He learned his craft in the early fifties. I'm thinking like it's just, and maybe he was in high school then. Who knows? But just you get it. He he was Paul's Paul's not. The guy that you're gonna, it's gonna take you to the moon. So, so Don is taking shit ideas from Paul and saying, "Why are you? Why are you trying to do that? Don't mm. do that. Do it this way." With Peggy, he's got a gifted writer. He's able to do something with Peggy in that later scene, mm. right? Taking that Valentine's Day card from Sally, redirecting the focus of the artwork, and just that line. Right, you feeling something that's the product. You, are you the, feeling you're something the, that's that's what sells. You are the she product. She says sex sells. He says you feeling you that. something <laughs> that's what sells. Welcome back, Daddy. Is that a question? What did you bring me, Daddy? Put that in your book. And it's it to me it's very profound and it's extremely you know, where things were in nineteen sixty-two, I don't I think that's miles ahead. Very progressive for that time in advertising. But he he hadn't put it together yet. You know, Don Draper still would never have done the Think Small Volkswagen ad. He never would have done, you know, some of the things but he's getting there, right? He's he's kind of propelling himself, but he has these unbelievable gifts for synthesizing information and emotional feeling. And that is timeless. Yeah. He may be resisting newer trends, but what he said to Peggy and that whole, that whole thing about, about finding the the emotion, finding where it, where it moves you. 
Mm-hmm. That is timeless. That applies to any that's great advertising yep. no matter yep. what. I agree. Exactly. It's it's technique agnostic, technology yep. agnostic. That's right. It all it, it that is always the core of what's going to be successful is your feeling about the product and the emotions behind it and being able to sell it that way. And now the new the new version is is Simon Sinek's Start With Why. People in marketing now, all the entrepreneurs out there are sort of doing this. Uh, if you don't know it, there's a book. I mean, it's a whole it's a whole philosophy of marketing. Mm-hmm. And it's why so many brands now tell you who they're giving their money to. Because it's like you can buy any socks, but buy these socks because we give back, because we're green, because we're this, right? So it's the it, it you're finding there it's a it's a new way to find that same emotional pull. The the just to give you the visual, it's kind of three circles like a target, right? So on the outside is what? That's what you're selling. And then in the middle circle, it's how, how do you do it? And inside it's, it's why, it's why you do it. And the, the mm. idea is classic marketing starts with the what and works your way in and the premises start with, start with why. So that is my little no, marketing. That's very interesting. Again, technique that's agnostic right. What a, is a great uh, expression. Yeah. The other thing that was in that, that, just the other little bit of empowering that was, well, there was a few, that scene between Don and Peggy mm. had a few other things in it. One of which was, you know, she says, this is exactly what we talked about. And <laughs> that is how many of us have been in that situation. Dude, this is exactly what you said to do. She now yeah. knows that's a starting point. It's irrelevant. Right. Yeah. As a junior person, you're constantly trying to get it right. And you think that your boss knows what he or she wants. And so if you execute to his or her verbatim instructions, then you'll be right. And so, good job, Peggy Gold Star. You're a great worker. You're going to go far, right? But especially in advertising, but really in everything, your boss saying, hey, I want it this way, and then you do it. And then they, it's not that they change their mind. Now, listen, we've all had bosses that are indecisive, can't stay on a topic, change their mind every second, don't know what they want. They're assholes. Okay. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. And that's not what happened here. Yeah. And that's not what happened here. What what happened here is is frankly more common than the asshole indecisive boss, which is, yeah, I might have, don't tell me that that's what I said. We're evolving here. That was then, now is now. If I tell you, if I reverse my decision, it's for a reason and this is part of the process of getting there. So you telling me this is what I wanted is really arguing. Why are you arguing with me? Who cares whether this is what I asked for? We're getting to the place where we where we need to be. Whatever it is, it could be a, a an income statement. It's his process. He was spitballing. He saw what he saw. He came up with a, an it's antidote. Any iterative process, right? And then he himself would have taken it and walked away with it and thought about it deeply and forgotten about it and and all of that. Yeah. So he he meant it when he said it. He just yeah, could have, he might have looked at it as he, if he was the writer to go execute it, he might have looked at it and been like, well, it no, this no is shit. no bearing on whether what she did was the heart, the emotional heart of the, of the idea. That's right. Don was, you know, running circles around Paul who could never keep up with him. And it's the hint of a woman's hem and it's where the, the city's behind me in the background. And he's, yeah, he's, he's. He's spitting out concepts and ideas and words and and getting himself there. And and frankly, he'll never get there with Paul, but he gets there with Peggy. The other thing that was part of that exchange with with she and Don and mm. and 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 what the ad ends up being about is the transactional. What did you bring me, Daddy? Is mm-hmm. literally asking for something and yeah. and Daddy giving me something. And there was a whole there was an an interesting tension in the two of them. Having that and her looking at Don Draper and saying, what did you bring me, daddy? But also it's just thematically and we'll get to it in other other aspects of that in the episode. But that is a distinctly transactional thing. One more one more interesting piece on this. You know, we always talk about I always seem to be talking about the writing. What happens in one scene is discreetly affected Hmm. by what's happened in a previous scene. And for this. We have Don and Duck, which again, this 14-month gap has not been kind to that relationship. Don and Dick, excuse me, <laughs> Don and Duck, <laughs> Don, Duck and Dick. No, Don and Duck having words about the younger writing teams and Don basically saying, you don't know what you're talking about. And there is real, there's real tension there. We see it from from Duck's talk with Roger and now Duck's talk directly with Don. They're not getting along and that relationship's not going well. And Don's really bristles that he has to hire the Smitty and whatever 
it's it it's interesting because that goes right into this scene with Peggy, where he makes mentioning they can't do what we do. They think monkeys do this, That's right. right? And they, of course, is duck. In you know, in in, in Don's in the immediate aftermath of that Ducks, exchange, monkeys. Don, exactly, it's a whole it's a whole it's zoo. A mena- of, it's a menagerie of, of of crap, right? <laughs> but he's no, he's angry that he has to a that he's not the revered golden child of the firm, you know, that he might have otherwise been and, and had been. Duck now is the rainmaker, and he has to answer to Duck a little bit. And by the way, Duck's a thousand percent correct. Oh yes, what's happening? What other firms are doing? We have to keep clients are asking for it. Duck's doing his job, whether he's good at his job in the larger sense, we don't quite know. But but this seems this like is the a right good, thing was, to be asking exactly. For. This is a good call. Yeah, and let's and, not have and, Freddie Freddie in charge of Martins and Coffee. Yeah, exactly. And advertising hadn't changed that much in the previous twenty five years, and in the next 25 years, it would change 50 times as much as it had in, in the previous 25 years. So change is coming fast and it's coming at an accelerated pace, kind of like we're seeing right now with technology and media and things like that. So the not just change, but the rate of change has a huge effect on people. And if you're not ready for it, you can get like Don, completely rejecting it, dismissing it out of hand and having to be arm twisted into doing things. With this gorgeous illustration of the creative process it was kind of sparred by spurred 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 or spurred spurred and sparred i don't know what i don't know how you end the sentence so i can't tell yet (laughs) it was spurred by the sparring with doc (laughs) yes um (laughs) that kind of leads don into this wait what is it we do why is what we do special ah here's why because that asshole can't do it that's right we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back betty Hofstadt Draper. Betty Hofstadt. Juanita Carson. Let's actually start right there. So, um, uh, Do we need a spinoff with Juanita Carson? All right. Well, you know who she's played? She is played by Jennifer Cybell Newsom, married to Gavin Newsom. Oh, wow. Yes. Really? I remember my sister telling me that back at the time, and me and politics has been a, a quite a progression. And back then I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. I don't care. I don't even know what you're talking about. And now I'm like, Gavin Newsom? Yeah, she's fantastic, wow, really? right? Yes. So she's like one removed from Kimberly Guilfoyle. <laughs> Unless there let's, was a wife in between. How many wives does this Newsom guy had? Okay, so let's back up a second because even though that is an incredible scene uh, in the mm-hmm. in the restaurant, uh, we start with Betty on the horse and Betty uh, at the stable and... This yeah. is our first clue that maybe it isn't three months later, right? This is our first clue that, oh, well, lots cha- you know, like Betty has a whole Betty's new thing going taking on. Taking up a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. And she's got a, uh, she's got a new friend. And I, I, so I want to point something interesting out that you would not pick up from the episode. This was a, a pure IMDB moment, which is her friend, uh, her friend at the stable is Sarah Beth. Her friend at the stable mm. is Sarah Beth Carson. Again, yeah. we don't know that. And Juanita is Juanita Carson. And I was huh. like, why would they, you know, accept right? they're both her friend? Like what? Like it's just one of those. I don't know. Did did Matt just do that to tickle himself? Yeah, like, he, sounds like both, a like you. You would never notice that. Except that's an odd I was thing taking to notes. do. Yeah, that's an odd thing to do if you're not going to call it out. Yeah, especially exactly. it's again. It's sort of it's it's like your own little Easter egg. Is the, is what Here's I'm picking. Here's Juanita. That's right. Okay. So, so uh, you know, again, we've got we've, we're setting something up over there. We've got a whole new Betty, uh, the riding, the freedom of that, the control of that, and Betty in control definitely comes back again. Um, so there's this combination of sort of Betty taking flight, if you will, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Betty exercising agency and is a whole thing going on there she's got gertie <laughs> denise crosby has gertie it's just fantastic right. and she's got a new friend well having a life outside the house and don and the kids right and she I mean, hasn't she hasn't had that before she had the brief stint where she was modeling again and then that got dashed yeah. this is something for her it's a good thing and she seems happy and comfortable and there's the the, the flirtation with the, the boy on the horse um so there's a whole thing going on and then she says that that thing at the end of uh the terrible thing she says about children yeah 
like, aren't you worried about the menorah? Kids and horseshit are basically equivalent. Yeah. yeah. Betty Betty made for motherhood. So now <laughs> so now we've got the Valentine's dinner and the scene with, with Juanita where we meet Juanita and Betty has absolutely no idea. So Betty is clueless and uh, <laughs> delightfully clueless and Don is uh, delightfully clued, but it sticks with her, right? Because then later with Francine, we're gonna we're gonna go back to the hotel uh, to the hotel room, and I I, I promise. But I want to talk about the scene with Francine. It 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 goes back to what I was saying at the end of season one, which is Francine may see her as a sister, but Betty 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 is all pretense with Francine, right? <laughs> She's talks about the great great night that they had, and and they didn't have a chance to watch Jackie O because they were too busy, rah, 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 yeah. and they totally had the TV on, and also. Uh, how she called it with Juanita. But she's definitely titillated. She's definitely intrigued. She's like, what she's indicating versus what she's saying, what she's indicating is, wow, she and I were the same and she could have had this. But right. what she's, but what's really there is, oh, I could have had that. And there's something a little intriguing there for her. Well, we see that when she has, she's with the mechanic. pulled on the side of the road. Right. The scene with Francine is where I where this got solidified. Everybody's look in this episode is so advanced, is so much more modern. You really Francine, we haven't I mean, we've only ever Francine seen Francine. Francine looks great. Francine looks fucking amazing. Awesome, I mean right? she is just this gorgeous tall drink of water in, in yeah. this you know, in the pants and, and all of that. And of course we've only ever seen her, you know, pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> pregnant or yeah. right after. And and disheveled and you know but we are seeing the fashions move forward we're seeing it's funny how joan not so much joan doesn't change <laughs> joan joan's a monolith right Pe right peggy is slightly updated but ever in her plaid you know but yes but i would say that there is a an attitude shift we talked about it with the lowest scene which is obvious but even in the montage in the beginning let's twist again yes She's putting her dabs of perfume on yeah. and just her posture. I mean, it's great acting yeah. on Elizabeth Moss's part. And certainly, I'm sure, instruction and direction given toward, you know, here's Peggy now, you know, yeah. that she's got she's got not just a bounce in her step, but like a real a real confidence, inner confidence, inner, inner confidence that's beginning yes. to grow. For yeah. sure. And with the men, you're seeing the hair is slightly longer. Even, I mean, you're right. Not even the young guys, the youngest. And not, it's not just, again, yeah. what we talked about before. The blending of of the counterculture is starting to a little tiny bit affect the, the non-counterculture. It's only yes, this, this early 62. Two, two full years before the Beatles. Yeah, so no, nobody's, we're not seeing mop <laughs> you know, tops yet. I'm I'm not, the Francine is where I noticed it, is where I, is where sure. I again, where yeah. I landed the on. Last you time know we what? saw her, she was lactating, right? Everybody looks a little or a lot yeah. advanced. Which brings us back to Betty. Which brings us back to Betty. So they, well, well, there are a couple things. So we, we haven't gotten to, I wish I wrote down his name. Who's the date? The John. Oh. <laughs> it's just too great. He's from Detroit. He's with automobiles, <laughs> right? But the actor there who says nothing has to <laughs> he has to look uncomfortable and sort of normal and play it off and kind of power through it all at the same time is awesome. And this guy's, you know, in his early sixties and probably has four kids. He looked older than that to me, but But it's just a great scene and Don picks up on it and you're right, he has to alert Betty that Juanita's not um, you know, into older men. Without giving right, without giving without, away without his say, own, the without fact saying, that the company she, has, but she charges yeah thirty five for a blowy, you know, like he right. doesn't, he can't, <laughs> he, he can't, can't go know there. that he knows, he can't say that he knows that. But of course, he doesn't hide it from her either. With you know, how stupid do you think I am, right? Like, so that happens. Don and Betty are up in the hotel room. They blow out of the of the restaurant, and um, part of the mystery of the jump between season one and season two is what's going on with Don and Betty, right? Like, right, absolutely. You know, Betty was spilling uh, her tea to the therapist, and what happened that we already and we know Don's getting the back channel to the therapist of the story of what she talks about. So is he aware? Is he not aware? Have they had a big blowout? Have they made up? What? So here it is. Uh, Valentine's Day 1962 and they're doing a lovey-dovey at the Savoy 
he's being great with her. She's being all lovey with him. All things seem great. Now, my guess, my guess is that was the last time she saw that that therapist. That's just a guess that she, that you know, be. she she gave him the she gave him the intel and then she got the fuck out of there. And and because you know because you know that Don wasn't going to argue. Don never wanted her seeing that that doctor. Right? It was costing him a fortune, and he was furious all the time that she wasn't getting better and that she needed it. You know, we also saw her take that phone bill and put it in her pocket and make the call find out and not confront Don. Well, that was her way of confronting him was to spill to the therapist. That's right. right. That, was, that was why she did it. You say it all the time. This is the magic of Mad Men. Mad Men is a show where what doesn't happen we is, fill it in, right. is so much more truly uh, in, sometimes engaging than what does happen. Any other show, she would have taken that yep. phone bill and confronted Don and they would have had a fight and da 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 da, da. And that is, that is not this show. No. So what we get is 14 months later, they're in the Savoy and, um, you know, there's a third person in their bed, phenobarbital, which is keeping, let's say, keeping Don from from performing at his best. And um, we've got this gorgeous setup of the relationship. We don't know where it is. Things seem to be really back on track. She's got this, you know, knockout lingerie thing that she's got going on and Don's ready to roll. And uh and in perfect Mad Men style, <laughs> there's something a little bit not right underneath. Yeah. Uh, it's not happening the way that everyone thought. Now, I made the joke, you know, is it the is it the drugs and everything's really fine? Is Don, you know, getting the side effects from the phenobarbital? Could be, sure. But and again, that in the Mad Men universe, it's <laughs> don't take that at face value. There is something perhaps rotten in the relationship that has not you know, been addressed, uh, acknowledged, come to come to the surface, what have you. And it's a, and it's why not both? I mean, one of the You're things right. one of the things that I frankly learned from our uh, season one wrap up with Matt Zoller sites and my sister, but specifically I got this from from MZS is there are there are ways to look at this show not so literally. Mm-hmm. And and it, uh, it you know he talked a lot about the the show. Sometimes you don't know if it's a dream or not. And and I will tell you that when Betty first uh, ascends those stairs and Don sees her and that weird music that is the new theme music yeah. this season, I remember thinking, "Is this real? You know, like has she left him? And and mm-hmm. and is this even really happening? And there is right. a dream, a dream. Uh, so where dreams. Where, where the idea of is it real or not, and is this a psychological metaphor or real, where kind of nailing that answer down doesn't always matter. So right. for sure, phenobarbital is going to- Slow the works. Alter your plans. Yeah. And yes, is it a metaphor for what may be happening in their marriage? Sure. But it's the kind of thing where, to, to your point, it's like the answer is neither, both, whatever. It's whatever you want it to be. It's all there. You know, it's, 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 it's make of it what you will. This yes. This is kind of the answer. You That's know? right. What I noticed this time, you know, Betty, Betty comes out in that outfit and outfit is a strong term, but you know, uh, Betty comes out in, in her, in her getup in her black lace getup, and yeah, you know, she looks great. Don't, I'm not, don't get me wrong, but that is in general, the, the whole sequence was not very sexy. It was not no. nearly as sexy <laughs> As the scene with the mechanic, that that was, was a hot. slow burn. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was hot stuff. Yeah, that you know, Betty is absolutely again. It started last season. She is in a sexual awakening, and you know that mechanic happens later after she realizes that she could have become a prostitute if she wanted to. <laughs> well, <laughs> so yeah, that was that was the path. whole setup. Yeah, that right. was a career path she hadn't considered, but apparently was always an option for her. So, you know, she really pushes it with that um, with oh, that yeah. mechanic. And again, much sexier than anything that happened between she and Don. <laughs> and as I mentioned earlier, transactional. And about the same amount happened. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. But it was, all, I mean, it was blatantly, again, informed by the idea of prostitution. She was blatantly and brazenly transactional with the mechanic and seeing how far she could push it and who yes and you know who knows if he had gone a different direction would she have gone into the backseat of somebody's something like who knows we don't we don't know no she wanted to play with the the moment and play with the guy and it was obviously playing on her mind that the you know Juanita Carson uh 
crossing paths with her. She was really trying to see how far she can go with the guy with uh, Kip's towing and storage. That's right. Don and Betty are um, not uh, not having the time of their lives in, in bed. She's having the time of her life in her head, at least. Well, she's getting going. But but again, um, you know, if you just tell me what to do, right? Like that's such a such a I mean, Betty's changed. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. As I as I've come to understand women blame themselves. It's what did what didn't I do? What do you need me to do? What am I not doing? What should I be doing? So it's sometimes let me try to be brief and subtle. And obviously we're making generalizations about women and even what it is, what what the definition of woman is, but just, you know, with, with a lot of disclaimer about that, um, women struggle with blaming themselves for what goes wrong in bed, but also struggle with asking for what they want or even speaking about, well, yeah, even asking, (laughs) even asking, what do you want could have, because what we see elsewhere in this scene is Betty now really has come into her own. I mean, when Don hands Betty the phone about the food order, that is that something has changed in this relationship. That's right. That Betty is now kind of asserting right. herself as the boss. In a I mean, lot I don't know what Vichyssoises are, right. but I don't want them when Don orders them. <laughs> and whatever the fuck the BLT. I mean, Vichyssoises, cold potato soup. It's yummy. Yeah, not not if Don's ordering it for me. Even asking what can I do or tell me what to do or how I don't remember how she phrased it. That is a that is a bolder Betty in bed than I'm I'm guessing. We haven't seen okay. We, we've seen her wanting things, but we've never actually seen them do much. So, or and I've never heard her say much. I, I heard I, I I heard it more as the traditional way to alleviate the tension was by putting it on yourself. In other words, if she calls out Don, that's not going to end well. She does right. want things to get back on track. So playing that kind of submissive, subservient, if you will, kind of comment is the way to try and do that. Where that leads to, you know, ultimately is, as you said, th- that's different from saying what it is you want or what your needs are. She's miles away from that. Maybe yeah. she's on her, you know, starting a few steps but, in uh, yeah, that direction. But I feel like it's a bridge. I feel like it's a gate, a gateway statement. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But 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 it, but but for her, I think it's a matter of, you know, like Betty always does, right? I can, I can, take, an, I can take an unpleasant, awkward scenario and try and put a happy hopeful spin on it because that's what i've been trained to do i mean that's that, that i see it more as that frankly i think we're seeing a betty that shows us we're going to see a lot more of kind of new betty yeah um yeah. you know again we we didn't know was betty going to stay in this marriage based on where we right. left last season so here's how here's kind of the deal that betty has struck whether it's out loud or not is like if i'm gonna be in this marriage i'm gonna be riding a horse yeah. I'm going to be making the food decision, you know, whatever, whatever that that is. Right. And and starting to keep her own secrets. Right. We don't tell Don that the car broke down. Now, mm-hmm. that was <laughs> I remember Matt Weiner saying, <laughs> I think he said I think he said it to, to me. I think he said it to us like they just hadn't worked it out with cars yet. Like it seemed like they were always breaking down. And it's, oh, you yeah, know, cars were shitty. They yeah, were terrible. You know, it isn't just a lack of cell phones. It was like. They just hadn't yeah. worked some things cars out. Don't, I was thinking the other day, cars don't backfire anymore. Remember That's cars right. used to backfire? Wow, yeah. what was that? Oh, it was a car just backfire. Like, that yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, cars are great. Every car on the road can go 150,000 miles. Like, yeah. Change your fucking oil and you've got to, and you're, and you're going for you're years. You're good to go. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Let's touch on Pete and Trudy. They didn't have a whole lot, but they were uh, featured in both sequences, right? The mm-hmm. opening montage and then the Jackie montage, right? Everything looks all great at the beginning, but then later we find out that um, Trudy is really upset that she's still not pregnant. Yeah. Um, that that's obviously been an ongoing thing. And then in the second sequence, you've got Pete in true Pete form. You know, everybody, they show everybody with their date and Pete with his with her candy. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's just of note that that's what's happening in their marriage while contrasted to apparently um Harry Crane and Jennifer Crane are reunited and Jennifer's pregnant and Trudy is Trudy is part of the wives club that she sure. she talks to Jennifer right it leads to the moment with Pete and Peggy we're so wondering 
what's what's how did we get here how did we get here Pete's basically talking to himself out Pete's loud. Pete's completely Peggy. in spe- La La Land with everyone in the office, but they're oh, it's the Clarissa discussion, yes. and they're talking about kids. And he says, "He says, Peggy, do you want kids?" Peggy says, oh, "It was just the most poignantly delivered." Eventually, and it's just. Ugh. And Pete's like, exactly. Yeah, aren't we on yeah. the same page? Oh, here? Yeah, you, you and know, I on the same like, page. I mean, you, yeah, you, me, we, yeah, we, yeah. We're on the same. We're on the same page in a different book. You don't even yeah, know what you library don't. you're in. No idea. <laughs> All right, let us um, let us take one more break, and then we will come back with our quotes. I'm making an executive decision here that I'm going to do two quotes because I because there's two really great quotes that I feel like talking about. The oh. first is my original quote, which is that. Anytime in a hotel, I'm in a hotel, I want Betty Draper to order for me room service. <laughs> she grabs the phone from Don after she deciding she doesn't want potato soup or whatever. It's good shit, fishy swa. I want the half avocado stuff with crab meat and a rare petite filet. Two place settings. I mean, that is, I mean, you could have been Wonder Woman ordering that meal, <laughs> right? I mean, that's what. I mean, I'll I'll pick up a phone and just say that into the phone in a hotel room, and they're like, "Who the fuck is this? Why, are you <laughs> Mr. Jasper? This is housekeeping. What I don't know why you're telling us about a stuffed avocado." Yeah, and you know, I'll have what she's having for but sure, just, and that's I mean, what she's having because <laughs> she. Wasn't I mean, she's having... asking, "Is there anything out of season? Is there anything on a special menu for the holiday?" I'll tell you what I want. I want a half avocado stuffed with crab meat and a rare petite filet, two place settings, <laughs> room eight hundred four. I mean. That that's a woman. <laughs> that's my first one. But I'm gonna say a second quote here. Where's her husband? That's Sal <laughs> watching Jackie O. Not of course she wasn't Jackie O then, but she was Jackie K. And everything Sal says in this episode where we find out that he's married sounds gayer than anything he said in season one. Right. Well he's he's a little freer. He's now got, <laughs> he's, I mean, but that's right. right. I mean, you, right. you can he's actually not, drop your great. guard. I love that. I hadn't thought of that. He's not yeah. even, he's, he's not trying got, to pass. Right. That's what a beard is for. He, oh, he now God, passes. So. He, he can actually fucking relax and be himself for a minute. Not that he wasn't. I mean, from the minute we the meet Mohawk him. The Mohawk Airlines thing. What does he say? Oh, look at the high cheekbones. We can give her that. Like, like yeah. Sal, no, like keep it in your pants, pal. Like this guy is completely <laughs> unhinged. Where's her husband? You know, and he's sitting there with Kitty and we go, golly. So it's not like he went under some, you know, Mormon conversion therapy or anything like that. Yeah. Like he's he's still he's still deep, deep in the denial phase of, of his of his experience. But look, it's to me, it's all more great writing and it's more great acting and characterization by by uh, by our friend Brian Bat. Yeah, mm. I just know he says like two things the whole episode just about. <laughs> They're both <laughs> pretty gay. Yeah, he, pretty gay. He, I, I don't know if Kitty's name was said yet in this episode. No. That doesn't that doesn't matter. But um, you know, she she's the great Sarah Drew. I I, I she was a complete <sighs> unknown to me at the time, and she's gone on. To, she's just has she? I hadn't. I haven't recognized her. In oh, anything. she was years and years on uh, Grey's Anatomy. She went. Uh, she joined oh, the cast of Grey's Anatomy and has since left. Um, but she was, gotcha. you know, she was a big, she was a big feature. She was a big player in that. I saw her in I'm a glad. like a Hallmark or a Lifetime Christmas movie, um, okay. trying something a little different. So she's she's out Good. there. She, so I mean, she's once, working. That's great. Yeah. Once you've been a lead on Grey's Anatomy, you're 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 doing all right. And she was she was terrific on it. Um, awesome. But you know, awesome. I've I never forgot her. She's we we will. She's Kitty. We will meet her again this season. Not not the biggest spoiler in the world. She's she's wonderful. She's absolutely she's just, ooh, she's she's a breath of fresh air. Okay, well, my quote, Duck in in the in the scene we discussed where where Duck and Don are sort of uh kicking around the the new hire of the of mm. the the Utes, if you will. Duck says to Don, you know, there are other ways to think of things than the way you think of them. Hmm. I think that's something to ponder about Don <laughs> Draper. I mean, Don Draper, Don in this episode, and we, we really should tag, you know, how, how because we didn't, how, how he ends in this episode. But Don, as I said, this, this episode is very much a Don journey. And it applies to what I was saying about watching Don in this episode is, is like watching a dream sequence. 
in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. you know, less so in the office, but, but any scene not in the office between the, the doctor's visit and mm-hmm. the, the date with Betty, um, and, and the, the dark bar and meditations and emergency and t- but we, you know, definitely the second mystery that is set up at the end of this episode is mm. Don writing that note, right? you know, and dropping that and dropping that book into the mail. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Who, what's going? Holy, you know, <laughs> and we and we don't we don't think of Mad Men based on 13 episodes in season one as that kind of overt cliffhangery uh, mystery type of thing. Right. It's always more it's always more um, contextual. Yes, but it right. is, but there was an essential, there was a central mystery to season one, which is of who, course. Yeah. who is Don Draper. But ex- yeah, but it existed within this huge context that had been painted for us and that it wasn't, it didn't like drop out of the sky. Him, it didn't him, drop him, out of the sky and it didn't him, drop at the end of episodes in a, in no, a cliffhangery way. hardly at all. That's right. Right. No, him, him signing that book and putting it in the mail and, you know, the voiceover, which is, you know, really kind of hits you over the head. Mm-hmm was totally different stylistically from anything we'd seen in season one. So that was great stuff. You know, there are other ways to think of things than the way you think of them. You know, again, we talk about Don, Don being old fashioned versus modern thinking and how he views his marriage and how he views his past and how he views everything. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you don't know who your mentor, who your, your coaches are, Uh, you know, Don may not like, you know, even Pete has said some wise things to him. You know, some Don should Don should Don should listen to that one. I think uh, <laughs> I think I think it would it would probably shorten the series for us. Like he might well, learn some lessons. Anyone who's been in a relationship more. has thought those exact words for exactly. Like what the exactly. fuck are you thinking? Anyway, my God, we are in season two. We are an honorable mention here. Mm. I know I had the, I, we don't have to we don't have to dwell, but. I think it looks good now, but I think it will become messy. Is a brilliant yeah. line about yes. the co- about the copier yes. and everything else and on everything the planet. Else. There's, uh, everything else in their world. In awesome. yeah, no, it was it was kind of the other. Uh, I actually thought you might choose that one. So I almost I, I, did. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's the it was the more obvious sort of the big. It was it was when you heard it was one of those lines where you heard it and you knew it was a metaphor for something bigger. <laughs> like, right. um, not that there's you know anything wrong with that, but it was it, it's a great. And that it's absolutely... way less subtle now than it did in 1962, right? True um, story. All right. So, yeah. Well, this has been wonderful, and uh, we're excited to be back at we're it. We're off. We're off. We're back into back into the mix on season two, for those who think young. Next week is Flight One. Oh, right. We got so... <laughs> I love Flight One. It's... there's Listen, the season... I think that season wrap up episode is something you can listen to multiple times. Uh, I don't just say that because I'm trying to spell, sell commercials. We don't have commercials. Um, there's a lot in there, both in what uh, Matt Zoller Sites has to offer, and in, in my sister, you know, she speaks to the other seasons, right? Mm. So the you've got that first perfect season, but the other seasons do start to sprawl more and get into bigger, longer. Yeah. A little yeah. bit messier in good ways. You're not going to have what I keep calling that big tree trunk of a of a mystery around Don and who is this guy. You know, there's other mysteries here and there. None of them, none of them compares to that scope or magnitude. That's right. But but it does. It sprawls and it covers so much ground and makes makes points and has something to say about our country and our world and how we got here and who these people are and who we are. That are equally profound. I mean, it, it does it in you sort of you sort of get you know, say bombarded, but you get sort of immersed in this whole idea of what it is they're saying, and um, the really really wonderful ways to tell stories. So, season two, lots of it. And again, we're looking at now that we know who Don Draper is, we are now looking. We now know that we are looking at a man who is living with. What is it like to be a person who is has stolen a man's identity and he can no longer pretend so he's now living with the knowledge that there are consequences to that. Mm. You know, in the, in the background of all this, in the background of Don Draper, let's say there's going to be always two things now. Number 1, the hobo, and number 2, Adam killed himself. And I think those I think if we can remember to ground in those two things that informs yeah. 
six more seasons. That without question, that everything that happens forward gets pulled back to those things. Absolutely agreed. Alrighty, All right. awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. If you're enjoying our show, please give us a glowing review on Apple Podcasts and share the show on social media. And if you're able to support us, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash they coined it. We've got some extra content there for you. We love hearing from our listeners. You can send your thoughts or questions to questions at tcimadmenpod.com or check in with us on Twitter and Instagram at tcimadmenpod. We're just at the beginning. We can't wait to discuss more Mad Men with you and continue bringing in special guests. Thank you so much, and we'll see you on the next episode.